What's up, you creepy fucks, and welcome to the Let's Talk Horror Channel podcast with me, BP, and welcome to what? Well, 2024, the first episode of the new year. I mean, last year was mental for for the movies, for the show. Uh, what a year it was! And I can't wait to to get into this new year and bring you out all this amazing content on the podcast and talk about some amazing movies there's going to be some solo episodes there's going to be way more episodes with some amazing guests like the amazing guests that i've got on my show uh today uh this episode we are talking about they live john carpenter's they live an absolute bloody classic movie that borders on the line of schlock um I don't even know if I'm saying that right. It doesn't sound right if an Englishman says it. It's, that's definitely like an American word. But somebody that can clear that up for me is my guest, Anastasia. I said, Hi. why did I say it? Hi. Why did I say it like that? I sounded like I was in a theatre. <laughs> um, how, how the devil are you? I'm good. I'm good. And it's schlock. Yeah, I can't say it. You can say it. It's, when you say it, it sounds perfect. When I say it, it sounds like I'm referencing some different name for a cock. <laughs> you can't <laughs> help it. It's just your accent. It's just my damn accent. So so uh, anyway, so anybody uh, that's listened to the show uh, before, you would know that Anastasia has been on the show two times already. Uh, she was on the episode that we did all about another John Carpenter movie, The Thing. And uh, mm-hmm. she was also on the Hellraiser episode, which you will also remember that that was the episode that I got absolutely pissed as a fart on and regretted it two days later. But hopefully it made for a good episode. <laughs> but, but that was fun. It was fun. I enjoyed myself, even but, if you were in pain by the end. <laughs> yeah, always in pain. This is what happens when you get old. Can't handle the hangovers anymore. So, But, that, but that's life. But, uh, but, but talking about life, um, because uh, this film... Uh, goes through uh, a different perspective of of life or what it could be. They live, John Carpenter's They Live. What what a fantastic movie. Already getting into it. I'll try not to. (laughs) So Anastasia is uh, an amazing podcaster. She has a zillion shows, uh, one being horror versus reality, the other being Attack of the Killer Objects, which I always almost so almost get wrong because I genuinely almost say Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. But I stopped myself then, um, and also well, that's where I derived the title from. So fair. yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm like. I'm dumb as anything. I'll get anything wrong. And your newest show, I can't. You say it because I'm going to get it wrong, and I don't want to. It's what in the wide world of cinema? I like how you say it way better than mine because I just sound like a drunk idiot. Um, but yeah, so, <laughs> so so Anastasia, as I said, she's got some amazing podcasts and we're going to talk about them a little bit later on. But for now, we're going to get into John Carpenter's They Live. Released in 1988 and, as I've already said, directed by the master of horror, John Carpenter. It stars Rowdy Roddy Piper as George Nada, Nader. I don't really know. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's, it's one of them. Yeah, I thought so. That's what I thought. Uh, Keith David as Frank Armitage, 
Meg Foster as Holly something. He's cut it off. So Thompson, I'm just going to say Thompson and Peter Jason as Gilbert. And then there's obviously loads more, but I'm not going to go through them. I haven't got the time. Uh, so, so on IMDb, uh, it mm -hmm. is 7.2 out of uh, whatever, 10, I guess, and 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's good to see a film like this uh, getting sort of uh, good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes because you never know with that sort of thing. This this is the type of film that I feel like can go like one or two ways. I'm not sure that a modern day audience would be ready for this movie. I don't think they would be. It's like an old school movie. This movie was perfect for the time that it came out in. Because, yes. I mean, it's literally reflecting back, you know, Reaganism. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. It's American political satire. Yeah, absolutely. This is a film that is a very Americanized film, uh, which is what makes it even better when, you know, like little English boys like me still enjoy the movie because it goes to show the the master John Carpenter, how good he is at his craft, that he can create such a an Americanized movie that everyone can still love. Totally. So Google synopsis-wise, they have got, after discovering a pair of sunglasses that enables one to see the world the way that it truly is, Nada re realizes that the media and the government has subdued the population with subliminal messages. I'm really proud of myself that I said subliminal correct because... I 100% expected myself to fuck that up. Well, you didn't. I bloody did it. I've grown up. <laughs> <laughs> but but from Google, you know, that's not bad. It, it doesn't give away too much and gets to the point and goes, yeah, you know what? That's This is the movie. Enjoy it or don't. And I like it. But now it's time for my synopsis, which is my run through of the film in its entirety, but obviously in my own way of when I was watching it. This is what I thought. The film opens with Rowdy Roddy Piper with a glorious mullet taking a long old stroll and he's looking for a job. But times are hard. He's just having a nice little stroll, uh, you know, with a little bit of John Carpenter music going over top, walking the streets uh, where all these homeless people are. And ra there's Rowdy Roddy Piper just looking double hard. Yeah, it's a very um, it's one of the more westerny, less synthy Carpenter scores. Yeah, we, we all know how much John Carpenter loves a, a, a Western. And uh, yeah, you're right. It does. It does feel very West, wet, like a Western like sort of movie in that one. And, uh, you know, you can, glorious. Like, almost picture tumbleweeds. Yeah, yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. I bet you there's one somewhere on there. If you go back, you'll probably see a few in the background. But, you know, a glorious mullet. He does have the glorious mullet. Absolutely. It, it is a beautiful one. A preacher is shouting shit. But does he know more than anyone else does for now? We'll soon find out. He's just standing there having a good old time, shouting shit. Roddy gets a job at a construction site where Keith David definitely checking out his rock-hard wrestler bod and offers him a place to stay, but not like that, you dirty buggers. They are just trying to go into chill with a homeless man and are becoming best buds. So, yeah, that's it. Keith David is there. He's checking out. Roddy Piper, because at this point he's topless and he's, you know, double hard. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're going to become best friends, hanging out with loads of homeless people. Uh, yeah, yeah. He takes them over to like um, a shelter for not just homeless people, but it's also like a soup kitchen type situation. Yeah, 
Yeah, and she's also, you know, they've got everything. They've got peas. I thought it was just going to be like absolute slosh that they were going to get. And he's getting peas and he even gets asked right. if he wants any more. And he and says yes. Like, I know, he gets two scoops of peas and everybody else is like, why does he get two scoops? <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Everybody's just like, I'm not going to tell him no. Look at the size of him. He could throw us through a window. <laughs> yeah, 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 he could do. Someone who is most definitely Santa is hacking into the TV to share some message about the shit that's going down. But with a cool scene, the preacher is saying the same as what's on the TV. I like, I love this little bit. So what happens is you've got the message that's going out that Santa's putting out there on the TV. But what he's saying on the screen, the preacher is actually saying on the streets. It's really weird. It doesn't really make sense, but it's cool. I would imagine that the preacher, because, well, I mean, spoilers, he's part of this movement that we'll find out about later. But I'm sure he's heard that same, those same words so many times at this point. Yeah, you're right. I didn't really think about that. I just thought there was like some weird shit going on. But yeah, you're you're right. Once again, you're bringing the, the intellect to this conversation and I'm just don't fucking understand anything. I do what I can. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Roddy Piper can't keep himself out of trouble and goes investigating and finds these radicals trying to crack the system. But the blind preacher wants to touch his face. So Roddy legs it. Yeah, he's not he's not cool with uh, him filling it up. But I mean, that's how a lot of blind people, you know, like. no. Yeah, they're just like, let me touch your face. It's kind of like that scene in, you know, how in Face Off, like he's always like running his hand over people's face to see who they are. Oh, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a bit like that. Yeah, just like a little bit less Nicholas Cage. Yeah, a lot less Nicholas Cage, actually. <laughs> but he knows shit's going on, especially when a bloody helicopter and the Rosers come along to fuck shit up. Rosers is uh, a UK term for the police. Uh, <laughs> and, and they fuck shit up. Bobby. Not the bo- not a local Bobby. No, it's not. It's, well, it is a Bobby, but it's just a bit more of a, you know, uh, a little bit Sorry. more common as map rosers. But they're there to destroy all the, uh, the all this shit, basically, where all these homeless people and the people that go in there for their meals and their soup and their peas. The police are here to de- basically destroy the absolute shit out of it. And while they're there, they absolutely batter Santa and the blind preacher. They beat the shit out of them. Roddy Piper gets away. Uh, whilst helping some random dude, uh, showing us he's definitely the hero of the story. But also, he's an absolute dumbo. As he head back to the... He, uh, after all the police are gone, he heads back to the place uh, that's been raided and he puts his big old boot through a wall and steals a box. But what's in the box? Just just a pair of sunglasses. Just that there, Surely there's going to be no importance to a box of sunglasses. Um... There so is though. <laughs> yeah, there, there definitely is. There definitely is, and uh, and yeah, as I said, like it makes me laugh that bit because he literally in this movie he doesn't really give a fuck. So like, even though he's seen all this shit happened, they've raided this place, they've beaten the shit out of all these people. The first chance he gets, he's like, I'm going back into that house. Well, I mean, are they going to double back this quickly? They've already gotten everyone in there. I suppose maybe maybe he's cleverer than what I give him credit for. I think he's got time. I mean, he they didn't come back and find him. No, true. So now this is where it all gets even more interesting. Roddy puts on the glasses and at first it's all black and white. But then he starts seeing signs saying obey and consume. And my favourite 
is the money that says this is your god, which is my favorite. I fucking love that little shot. That's a great shot, absolutely. And it's such a cool. I just, I mean, we will get into this obviously, where you know, where we start talking about how we feel about the movie, but just little bits in this movie and the whole idea and the way that it's done is so fantastic. And this scene is just one of those. It just makes you like you're watching a character come across something on the screen but then you start thinking in your own world and in your own mind like you're like what the fuck would you do if this was real oh god uh you'd have to have a minute to like gain composure because your mind would just be blown for a second yeah absolutely and then you have to go full brick survival mode because yes well that's it like what do you do that's the thing. That's why that's what's so interesting about it. Like you're right. Like it's like you go to either survival mode or you're like, oh shit, like I'm fucked. Well, it depends on what your definition of survival mode. Are you the kind of scummy homeless guy who will just take all the money and accept the brainwashing? Or are well, you yeah. the kind or are you Roddy Piper who just goes shooting folks? Yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> just goes around shooting people. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to think I'm the Roddy Piper, right? But yeah, Viva La Revolution. Yes, <laughs> that's it. That's <laughs> it. But uh, but as I say, he these glasses, he puts them on. He can take them off. Normal life. Put them on. He sees everything for what it truly is. Um, and and you know, it's it's mental. I absolutely love it. And uh, and obviously, then he starts looking at the people, people who he thinks are just normal people, but they're fucking ugly as fuck. They're, I mean, they're aliens. Aliens live live amongst us, and he didn't even know it. What I love is how he doesn't even think about the rep the repercussions of what he's saying. He's just reacting in real time. He sees yeah. how ugly this woman is, and he's like, just goes to insulting her, not thinking like. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this isn't normal. Maybe no. this will get you in trouble. Yeah, like that. So much of this movie, Roddy Piper goes into full like wrestler promo spot, <laughs> where he just say, spends his time insulting everyone. Oh yeah, like there's that scene where he's talking to Keith David, and it's after Keith David's like come to realize, yeah, that, yeah, um, yeah, things are going down. But he literally looks at him and goes. I don't fucking know, but it's the, the tone is literally like Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. So so Roddy Love Piper it. is is currently super fucking confused. As oh, you know, that's normal. People would be pretty confused if you know you thought the world was something in it that it's not, which mm-hmm. is understandable, as I said. And he walks into a shop where one of these alien buggers are just, you know, just chilling, living amongst humans. And Roddy has a great line and and calls an alien, uh, one of the women aliens, well ugly, basically. And he, uh, but he lets on that that it's the glasses that he has um, that is the reason that he can now see them, and they're on to him. You you think he's a bit clever, and then he does things that's like dumb as fuck, and you're like, oh no, no, he is an idiot. Um, but at the same time, you sort of be, and then you're sort of like, well, actually, I mean, he doesn't really know, does he? He's, you know, he's had quite a big shock. So I'll let him off. Yeah, you know, he's taking risks here and there. Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the feds are now uh, re- here. They're ready to murder his ass because uh, he's seen their true form. But Roddy is a double R bastard and he fucks them up. And now he's got a gun, a big old shotgun. Did he steal that from a cop car after he shot the cops? Yeah, he, he just does what he wants. Yeah, he's gone completely rogue. Yeah, yeah. at this point, he's just like, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's real anymore. So I'm just going to go with whatever my gut says. And my gut says to beat the shit out of everyone and uh, call everybody ugly. Well, if you look like an alien, I'm shooting you, basically. Is <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, but then we get a scene with one of the greatest lines in cinema history. And if you've seen this movie, which I'm sure you had, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Roddy <laughs> walks into a bank fully armed and sees all these alien buggers and says a line you'll never forget. I came here. To, I can't even say it because I was trying to say it like him, but I can't. I'll just say it in my stupid voice. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What yeah. an amazing line, right? I, on Reddit, when you're in like the horror community, you can have like flair that's like a tagline or something. And for a long time, mine was long live the new flesh. And then it was all out of bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And I, I always remember like this is the first time uh, my partner, obviously, you know, is Kelly. But, my, you know, everybody else knows her as my partner. But now everybody knows her as Kelly. So that's good. But she but I remember the first time that we watched this and he could not stop laughing at that line. And she was just like, this is the best moment of her life. <laughs> and, I, and it, it is a great line. it's such a great line and you know coming from rowdy roddy piper there's no other like it, it's just a perfect delivery everything about it is perfect and then obviously he goes absolutely shotgun crazy and, and just starts blowing everybody up and every he's just like fuck it if you're an alien you're gonna get you're gonna get killed yeah 100 percent. it's a bit hasty i mean <laughs> We know that it's, uh, we know that they're the enemy per se, but they're also like definitely willing to um, barter with you and like, you know, meet a compromise. Yeah. And he's just like, murder genocide to these aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're an alien, I mean, you're fucked. It's fun though, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it is fun. Like, the way that it's done, the way this movie is. Uh, fun is definitely something this film is as he's going around shooting all these people and everything like that one of the motherfuckers disappears and you're like what the fuck's happened there yeah he teleports away with his little watching me doodle yeah exactly and you're like well, where do i get one of those yeah it's um in doctor who there's a device he had a device just like that oh okay you know, like a little you could like phase through time with Kind of. So basically what we're saying is that the, the motherfuckers from Doctor Who stole it from They Live. I mean, probably not because they have, you know, like, you know, 60 years of uh, lore at this point. So no, nah, we're, we're saying I'm I'm going with They Live. So now some sexy woman <laughs> with, <laughs> with sexy eyes is sexy walking to a not so sexy car. But out of nowhere. Roddy Piper pulls a jump scare that scared the absolute shit out of my dog when we were watching it and grabs the woman and tells her to get in the car and drive. My dog absolutely shit himself when that happened. <laughs> he was amazing. just like, yeah, he just sat there. And was like, oh. 
and then uh, yeah and then obviously i had to pause the film because i was laughing my head off and then went back to it um but you know yeah sexy woman meg foster she's you know and absolutely i don't know what it is in this film but it's just I, I don't know what it is with her eyes they must i don't know whether they gave her contacts or what i don't know but i couldn't stop bloody looking okay, at her so, so those are meg foster's very real eye color blimey um my partner called them white walker eyes she looks like one of the white walkers from game of thrones that's how blue her eyes are um, but they are really that blue, not CGI'd or anything. Um, you might also, as a horror fan, you might also recognize her from The Stepfather 2. She was his, well, as far as they show on screen, she was his second wife victim. But I think third overall. And was her eyes uh, as beautiful? They are just as piercing. But I will say on the whole... She's more of a handsome-looking woman. She's got a very masculine, square jaw. Yeah, yeah, you're right. She maybe she she could have been a wrestler. Maybe. And they could have been a <laughs> tag team. They could have been a tag team. Rowdy Roddy Piper and Meg Foster. I mean, I get the feeling from the way I've seen her act in films that she's very like soft-spoken and not like that at all. But <laughs> oh, well, that's why that out the window. She does have a very square jaw, though. Yeah. Just- <laughs> I'm just painting a picture for the audience if they've decided to listen to this without knowing the film. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, so now they head back to her fancy pad so he can rest up well after he starts shouting in her face. She doesn't believe him. Of, of course, she doesn't believe him. But what she does is batter him over the head and chucks him out the window. And Roddy Piper is on the run again. Uh, once again, this is another really cool scene in the movie. Um, and I think it really goes to show Roddy Piper as an actor. And this is once again, something that we're getting to later on as well. But Roddy Piper, he's sitting there and he's going in and out of like, you know, being tired. I think he's saying um, that wearing the glasses, I think it is um, like it drains it, you. Yeah, it drains you. That's right. That's what I'm thinking of. I just too dumb to think of the word. But yeah, it drains you. And uh, he's absolutely shattered. And it's sitting. He's like. He's trying to keep one eye on her and every move she makes, he's like got an eye on her and he's basically like, don't fucking move. And, uh, and, but I love this scene because he spends his time, you know, being really careful. And then the second he's not, he gets chucked out a fucking window. (laughs) Yep. But you know what? I can't say I blame her as a woman who just got kidnapped and has no context to what's going on. Really? Uh, I'd be trying to escape and harm him too for my own life. You're right. She she did the right thing. Uh, she's not to blame. Uh, you know, he put her in this situation and now uh, now he's out of this situation by getting chucked out a bloody window. Um, so, so now he's, he's back on the run. He decides to go uh, to his only friend, Keith David. Well, he's not really a friend because now we get obviously another truly iconic scene of cinema. I mean, there's so many amazing scenes in this this film. But if you've seen it, you all know what I'm talking about. Roddy wants David. Yeah, that's it. Roddy wants David's, uh, David to try the glasses on and then they start fighting. But then they continue to fight. Uh, and then obviously they, you know, they keep fighting, but then they stop fighting, but then they start fighting again. Uh, and then, then obviously like intermission where they like take a break to catch their breath. And then Roddy sneaks up on them and just gets back into it. <laughs> that's that's it. And then when they, you know, obviously they do finally stop. Um, but then they fight again. 
<laughs> and then this is what happens for nearly six whole minutes where on screen you're watching a whole entire nearly six minute fight scene and they properly go at it and it is them as well and it is fucking glorious yeah it wouldn't have happened without roddy because it was basically his idea like you know what yeah do you do, what do you do with the wrestler when he's on set do yeah. they know <laughs> and and it's a genuinely really good fight scene like they you know they're hitting each other with fists they're hitting each other with things um they're throwing each other into cards you've got this really funny bit within the fight scene um uh, where um <laughs> roddy piper and like keith david is against the car and then roddy piper picks up uh, i can't remember what it is like just a piece of wood or whatever and smashes the window and keith david looks at him being like what the fuck are you doing? Like, come, you could have killed me. And Roddy Piper's just like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, oh, and man, he apologizes to him <laughs> mid fight. Yeah. Like, oh, and, man, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to prove a point here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they continue to fight. Yep. <laughs> um, but, but then, as the fight finally does come to an end, uh, Roddy Piper eventually puts the glasses on Keith David and he sees the world for what it is. And it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now I see what you see, and it's not very pretty. No, so now, you know, he's they've got to try to, like, be as incognito as possible. Honestly, I can't believe they were able to walk around as much as they were, because there's TVs everywhere with his face, like, find this white man. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. It's everywhere. Um, but so now, so now the Keith Gate, the Keith David knows the score, and they are absolutely battered and bruised to fuck. They head to a hotel to rest up and do some tough guy talking. They're sitting in bed, so this, you know, not in the same bed, but separate beds in a hotel, yeah. chilling, shouting at each other, uh, and their faces are swollen as fuck. Yeah, here's the funny thing though: with how badly they injured each other. They should have been injured for the rest of the movie, but they're not. <laughs> no, 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 of course not. Well, it's, that's the movie magic, isn't it? Uh, you know, anything anything can happen in movies. And uh, in that movie, movie. Magic, I call it a continuity error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but both are right. You know, movie magic is what makes the, the world go around, so to speak, in movies. Uh, but continuity errors do me. exist. I love this film. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. But you're right. You know, both of them would be in the hospital for probably three weeks. Yeah, they wouldn't have a face that looks completely healed the very next day. But they do. <laughs> but they do. And that's that's the magic of movies. Movie magic. <laughs> so shit's getting real now. And they want to burn this bitch down to the ground and take it all back. So they go to an AA meeting, which stands for Aliens Anonymous, where they start explaining more of the shit that has gone down and what they need to do. And the guy doing it looks like Meatloaf, but it's not Meatloaf. I, I could be the only one that thinks that, but he looks a little bit like Meatloaf. <laughs> so it seems as though they need to destroy the signal to open people's eyes to all this shit that's going on. And the sexy eyed woman from earlier is here to help. Or is she? Well, I mean, it seems that way. But does it? We'll soon find out. I love how she just pops up. She's just there. She's just like, hello. She's got the glasses in her hand. Like, she's clearly put them on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she, before she's we very know. Apologetic. 
yeah, she is very apologetic. Yeah, she's just like, I'm so sorry. She's not. She don't give a shit. Before we even know it, it uh, the feds are here to shoot and blow up everyone. And it is absolutely fucking, it's an absolute fucking massacre. They go, they go after everyone and everyone's getting shot up. Yeah, um, it's the kind of brut- brutal massacre that would be in the news media and would be this big problem. Yes. If it was done by humans that weren't mind control aliens or whatever. Uh it's a big problem because it's it's just mass death. It's you know, it's a riot. Riots break yeah. out. Yeah, it is. They basically they just turn up and uh they're they're taking no prisoners. It's like a fucking death squad. Yes. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. It's that's what it feels like. And it's like one of those scenes that like sort of throws you for a loop in a way because it sort of takes that sort of slightly darker tone. True, yeah. Roddy and Keith, though, they manage to break out and shoot a lot of people, as we say. Uh, And one of the aliens, uh, they they have a watch uh, that we mentioned earlier, and it malfunctions and it creates a portal. And with no way out, they both jump in. Uh, And, uh, you know, if they end up in some just some hallway, it doesn't look like very alien-like or spaceship-like. But yeah, they just end up in this little like hallway yep and then they stumble upon a meeting of the rich fucks that's it before uh, but there but before that did you notice that the security guard was holding a pke meter from the ghostbusters movie he was it's true but yeah but you're right the boys have now found themselves walking into a massive fancy dinner meeting full of these rich bugger rich buggers with the humans and the aliens having a top time together they're all hanging out having a merry good old laugh with each other aliens and humans alike um where one of the poor blokes from earlier is now rich and he's, sh- he's showing the lads some crazy shit like someone getting teleported to a different planet yeah, i mean you know he's pretty trusting this guy isn't he uh yeah he you know it's, <laughs> it's literally the greed will you know guide you through whatever um well at least for some people and he, he doesn't care that he's, you know, selling out the human race. He doesn't care. No, he didn't give a shit. He was just like, as long as I get to wear a tux, I'll do anything. Oh, yeah. He's suddenly very refined and living fat off the hog. Yeah, that's it. He's living the dream now. But for yeah. now. Um, so this guy, he seems to think that Roddy and Keith are legit. As we say, they think they turned up and they're part of this party. And as I said, he's the most trusting guy ever. Well, until they both start shooting shit up again and their quest to destroy the satellite. So they know they now know their mission. They're after to destroy the satellite, to stop this transmission, to stop it all. Uh, and there's nothing going to get in their way. They're going up. They're going up. That's it. They're heading to the roof, killing anyone in their way. And then they finally find Miss Sexy Eyes, who is a fucking traitor. And seemingly shoots Keith David, which we don't really see. So basically, she turns up. At this point, you sort of think there's a little bit going on with her. You think this is a little bit weird. At what point is she going to turn on him? That's what I always keep thinking. Well, when I first watched this, I was like, I do not trust her. Even though she's beautiful, I don't trust her. Uh, Well, you know, the thing is, you know that something's up. Because you literally see her put the gun to Keith David's head. Then there's a very quick shot. You don't actually see it, but you hear the gunshot right as it uh, goes to Roddy Piper. And then she comes out and you know the jig's up now. 
Yeah, that's it. And it's sort of like it sucks that bit as well because you well, this sounds really horrible, but you don't want anything happening to Keith David. But you also I feel like I feel like there's a shot missing in that part. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it I feel like that they like we yeah, should have seen him quick. die. Yeah, it's all it's an interesting edit right there. Um, you know, it's a choice. It, yeah, it almost feels like something went wrong and that's they had to cut it there. Maybe. Um I don't know it is what it is though. Yeah, it is what it is. We know he's dead. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's gone. That's it. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, that's it. So Roddy Piper, he finally finds the satellite, but he's held up at gunpoint by Miss Sexy Eyes and a helicopter. But he has a trick up his sleeve. And what I mean by that is literally a gun. He has a gun up his sleeve, which he uses to shoot her. That's it. And he uses it to shoot her and then shoots the satellite, which accomplishes his mission to destroy it and save the day. But unfortunately, he gets shot in the process. But his death isn't in vain. As now the world can see these aliens and their ugly mugs. And the film ends on some extraterrestrial sex. It does, but let's not forget that uh, he flicks, he flips the camera off. Um, it's his actually him flipping like the guy in the helicopter off. Yes, but the way it's framed is it's like he's cheekily flipping the camera off and his yeah. final death rattle. Yeah, <laughs> and it's 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 a noble death, you know. It is. He and, saved uh, well, that's it. Yeah, you know, this guy, and that's what I love about it. This this everyman, although it's difficult to say Roddy Piper's an everyman because he's a big, massive, beautiful, muscly bastard with a beautiful mullet. But he's he's working class. Yeah, he's working that's class. He's the, he's the movie everyman. Yes. And uh and it's you know, the everyman is the person that ends up saving humanity, and uh people will probably not know anything about it. No, not no, probably not. Um, well, maybe because his face was everywhere. Oh yeah, was... you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, uh, so maybe they, maybe, talk. yeah, maybe maybe he will be, you know, paraded as a as a as a hero and as the savior of of Earth. We can only hope. I would, say, I would say, you know, there'd definitely be whispers of his bravery amongst, like, you know, yeah, anarchist groups. Yeah, you can just imagine the film should have ended on like you know, like a hundred years in the future where some old guy's reading a book or Keith Davis. Keith David is like actually alive and he was alive. And then he's sitting there reading a book of this bravery of this every man. Let me tell you about my friend whose name I didn't even ever learn. <laughs> so, but, but as I said, it ends on, you know, some sex, uh, some alien sex. It's it's a funny it's a really funny way to end the whole movie. It's a comical yeah. note. Yeah. You see a, you see a shirtless woman with you know her boobies out in all their glory. Yeah, and she's really you know grinding into it, and then she looks up and she sees an alien on the TV, and that's weird. And then she looks down and she's like, oh, because uh, <laughs> she's fucking <laughs> an alien. Yeah, and then the alien's like, what, baby? What's wrong? Yeah, like and what's wrong? <laughs> and the, the, she's just like the jigs up we fucking know yeah. it now yeah and that's that's it that's where it ends and, and that's the end of the movie there we go mm -hmm. well anyway so that's that that's the synopsis so now we move into some of the production info for the movie so uh the idea for they live came from a short story called eight o'clock 
uh, in the morning by Ray Nelson or Nelson, whichever one, originally published in ni- November 1963. John Carpenter acquired the film rights to both the comic book and the short story and wrote the screenplay, a screenplay using Nelson's story as a basis for the film's structure. Uh, for the role of Nada, Carpenter cast professional wrestler Rowdy Roddy Piper. Obviously, I keep calling him Rowdy Roddy Piper, but it's Roddy Piper, um, who who he had if met you know at wrestling. As the wrestler, I'm sorry. If you know him as the wrestler, it's impossible to not call him Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper, that's it. Yeah, uh, who he had met uh, at WrestleMania three earlier in 1987 for carpenter it was an easy choice saying unlike most hollywood actors roddy has life written all over him carpenter was impressed with keith david's performance in the thing and needed someone who wouldn't be a traditional sidekick but could hold his own to this end carpenter wrote the role of frank specifically for david and you know keith david is absolutely fantastic in this movie and and really helped sell that fight scene you know, I can't think of a time when Keith David isn't just a presence. Yeah, yeah, isn't amazing. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's so good, and uh, yeah, he's a, he's a true legend of of sort of cinema and uh, like cult movies and so on. He's a big part of one of my favorite films, dark though it may be, which is Requiem for a Dream. Yes, yeah, yeah. What a fantastic movie! But yeah, once again, absolutely phenomenal, and it's insane how many movies he's actually been in that you don't actually think about until you obviously you end up watching him again and you're like, there he is again. And then he's like, he's and, amazing. Yeah. And he's the voice of the president on Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. They Live was shot in eight weeks during March and April in 1988, principally uh, on location in downtown Los Angeles, there's no way you can't tell that it's Los Angeles. Like when he goes out the yeah. window, he's on the side of a Hollywood hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you can, yeah, you can easily tell. Uh, and then with a budget only slightly greater than three million, uh, the film's iconic five and a half uh, minute alley fight between Nada and Frank over a pair of the special sunglasses took three weeks to rehearse, which doesn't surprise me because I, it's one of those scenes where it sort of feels like off the cuff. Like it feels like that they could have just been like improv in the whole fight scene because it actually does feel like really flawed and really real. But that's to the credit of both like of the rehearsals because there's so much like intricate things and timing that they must have done to this without, you know, so like they didn't kill each other. Yeah. So you could never, when you see a fight in a film, like you could never, you could never not have it all blocked out. Yeah, exactly. Like it always makes me, like whenever I watch a film like this, I it always makes me think of like the raid movies, and uh, it always makes me think of like how insane the rehearsals for those sort of fight scenes must have been absolutely insane. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like actors, people think about you know that actors are like overpaid and stuff, but they also have such a unique job. They also yeah. give up their. In exchange for money and power and fame, they give up their anonymity completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's as said, and it, that's why I think, like, it really is a testament to, obviously, Carpenter, to Piper, to, to Keith David and everything that they worked on because they managed to create something that, like a fight scene that still belongs in this world, belongs in this film, uh, is very over the top, 
just like the movie itself, but yet still feels really grounded because it feels like a real fight. Does that make sense? Most part it does. Most part of it does. Some of it's a little played up, a little more campy than I think a real fight between two men would go down like this. Yeah, (laughs) I suppose. Yeah. But 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 it's but it's fantastic. Such charm it has. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So They Live was uh, theatrically released in North America on November the 4th, 1988, and debuted at number one at the box office, grossing $4.8 million during its opening weekend. The film spent two weeks in the top ten. This film the- is just 22 days older than myself. The film's original release date advertised in promotional material uh, as October the 21st, 1988, had been pushed back just two weeks to avoid direct competition with the new film uh, from a franchise that John Carpenter was obviously very familiar with because he himself started the franchise. Uh, They were releasing Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Oh, God. Uh, I think we know which is the better movie. Um, it's definitely this one because because yeah. the sequels like Halloween's fine, it's well made, but the sequels are just oh god, just abysmal <laughs> for the most part. I yeah. love Halloween three because it has nothing to do with Michael Myers. I could talk. I mean, I could talk about Halloween three, season of the witch forever. Uh, absolutely fantastic movie. But it just, yeah, it just made me laugh that they sort of put this film back uh, because they didn't want competition with a franchise that he started. Well, I mean, he knows the power of what he started. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Wise decision. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he, he brought it on himself. He did. <laughs> but, but you know, it's like it's like the the thing that um, John Carpenter, you know, he just holds out his hand whenever his his movies are remade. Yeah, that yeah. Ball. That's it. Yeah, he's just, he's like, where's the money? So, I mean, really, either way, he was getting a check from two films in that, yeah. that time span. Yeah, he's the winner. He's the real winner. He's the real winner, absolutely. <laughs> so the film upon release received mixed reviews, and a lot of those negatives were one were from people that just didn't get the movie. Uh, simple as that. The good reviews were the right reviews because they knew what the fuck was going on. Well, it's just like the thing. The thing was, you know, panned at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was slated. And now, even though it's, do you know, it's really weird about the thing, isn't it? I mean, I'm not going to go into it too much, but it's just insane that people back then didn't see it for what it was. But yet, like I watched it as a kid and I was just like, this is one of the greatest films that's ever been made. And I watch it now and I'm like, this is one of the greatest films that's ever been made. I don't understand what people saw. Yeah, I don't know. My my partner doesn't doesn't love it, um, and that's his own fault. <laughs> He's got himself to blame. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so this film was actually nominated for some awards, but obviously didn't win any. Uh, it was nominated at the fans fan Fantasporto International for best film, Ooh. didn't win obviously, and a Saturn Award for best um, science fiction movie and best music, didn't win. But at least it was nominated, right? Right, exactly. So that's all the production uh, info. So now here's some facts on the movies. So number one, the film's iconic line. The film is best remembered for the line, I've come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubblegum. It's hot. I can't say it properly. I'm English. It doesn't work. 
Um, but this was actually ad-libbed by Rowdy, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and it's become one of the most famous quotes in movie history. So I think it was um, basically they were lines that he had written down for or or had said or written down for promos as, you know, as a wrestler when he's cutting the promos. Um, and he brought that to sort of different ones to John Carpenter. And that was the one that he liked. And uh, the rest is history. Yeah, he delivers a lot of one liners the way a wrestler would. And it just works. This is such an odd movie, but in all the best ways. Absolutely. So number two, the homeless camp that's in the movie is actually the real deal. It's not a set. Carpenter paid all the homeless people to be used in the film as extras. Well, I mean, why not? Why wouldn't? Why would you not just use what's what's there? Exactly, saves money, doesn't it? And it goes into yeah. his pocket, probably. Well, you know, he paid the he paid them for their time. So, so number three, the role of Nada was originally written for Kurt Russell. But John Carpenter felt he should cast somebody else after casting Russell in four of his films prior to this one, such as Elvis in 1979, Escape from New York in 1981, The Thing, which we've mentioned in 82, and Big Trouble in Little China from 1986. So, you know, we've had a, we've had our fair share of Russell and Carpenter combo, and uh, he wanted something a little bit little bit different i i I think it was a good move because because you know there were some missteps with kurt obviously the thing was a good step escape from new york a good step escape from la stop turn around (laughs) yeah walk backwards go yeah (laughs) yeah i mean look i'm a huge kurt russell fan uh you know one of the most beautiful beards that's ever you know, ever graced our screen all my yes. life, uh, as, as we've mentioned many times. Uh, but and I and to be honest, I can see him in this film, and I think it would still work. But if you give me a choice and say, would you replace Rowdy Roddy Piper with Kurt Russell? Then I wouldn't. Not not at any point because Rowdy Roddy Piper, and I will get into this, is so good in this movie. That it, if he wasn't as good as what he was, then yeah, you'd be like, that's a shame they didn't get Kurt Russell. But because he is so good in it, you're like, I wouldn't change it for anything. I wouldn't. And I mean, so Kurt, going off on a Kurt tangent, but I've actually never seen Elvis. I think that's the only Carpenter movie that I've never seen. I mean, I have seen it and he is very good in it. I'm sure he is because I've seen him also do, um, what's that damn movie? Uh, with Kevin Costner, three thousand miles from Graceland, in it. Yes, yes. I hate Kevin Costner. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm not shy about it. Uh, But yeah, no, Kurt is great as as an Elvis type. He does that really well. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I've just never had a desire to watch it. Elvis is from my home state. Oh, really? Yeah, he he was born in Mississippi. Mississippi was the breeding ground for lots of rock and blues and country. Good music. Yeah, like it's the b- backbone of American music, honestly. However, because of that, and also growing up like just a few hours from Graceland, God, I don't want to talk about Elvis ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so number four, Roddy Piper, being a married man at the time of filming, refused to take his wedding band off. That's why in several scenes in the movie, you can see him with a wedding ring on. 
You know, I don't even think about it. You do see it, but I don't bat an eye to it at all. No, I mean, I, I never saw it. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not that observational. I never see sort of like little things like that. Um, but I thought, you know, that's that's nice and sweet of him. I've seen this movie so many times that when I rewatched it for this, it was with a more keen eye, just like yeah. really looking at things that I hadn't noticed before, you know. Um, and then my last fact, number five, uh, owner of WWF at the time, now WWE, Vince McMahon. Uh, didn't want Roddy Piper to do the film. McMahon told Piper that he would find he would find him a different film at the same pay rate pay, pay rate within four weeks. But Piper passed and ended up splitting with the WWF to make this movie. And then apparently, when he went back, um, it was like a big. It was a really good decision because when he went back to the WWF or WWE, whatever it was at the time, um, it was like the best thing because the crowd missed him so much. Uh, which is obviously isn't surprising because it's Rowdy Roddy Piper, but pretty sure it was WWF at that point. Yeah, probably. Um, before me in the nineties. Oh, I don't know. As soon as the pandas got angry, then uh... <laughs> the, 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 the 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 world what is it wildlife federation? Oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's what it is it. with a picture of a panda on it. They got upset and they were like, yeah, they "We don't want." Them. Yeah, that's it. And then they changed it. But um, but yeah, you know, I think, you know, for hit for, for, for Roddy Piper, uh, you know, that was a good choice. And, um, you know, because we would have not got him got got his performance in this movie. Yeah. You know, the best of both worlds for wrestling fans, because, yeah, they miss them. But then, you know, they got a triumphant return. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, fuck it. He did it. Yeah. <laughs> can't pass up working with carpenter when you're a wrestler well no exactly exactly i mean imagine getting the chance you know getting the call and being like oh do you want to go and work with you know one of the greatest filmmakers of all time uh yes please right because i mean like the rock's first movie was scorpion king that's not good no i mean you know the rock the thing the rock's not an actor though (laughs) i mean he, he is though now well, now, but I mean, like, he's like a wrestler. So, so like, I would say that The Rock is more of an actor now than he ever was a wrestler at this point. I'm just thinking in in regards to talent. Um, oh, is he a good yes. actor? No, that's not what really, I mean. But, so, but so, Piper's not great either. See, this is what I did see. See, this is what. So, I, right. Okay. So, like, as you know, and anybody listening as well, because I've spoken about it before. And that's one of the reasons why I like love doing the podcast, because I can add, you know, this sort of like little look or this insight or whatever, or a different viewpoint into it. So I think that Roddy Piper is a really good actor. And I think that he delivered a performance that this film needed it to. Like he's in John Carpenter was probably like, this is how you should do it or stuff. Or this is what's written on the page say it like this or whatever but for me it's the small bits in the film it's the subtleties in roddy piper's performance that to me when i watch it shows how good of an actor roddy piper is because i don't see him so when you watch people like the rock or i don't know most of the other wrestlers apart from batista who i am in love with this is a good actor Batista's I mean I've got like a proper crush on Batista but that's purely because of like him acting because I'm like fucking hell he's good but 
Roddy Pine. Yeah. Roddy is perfect in this. This this role was like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we had seen him in a lot of other films, I think we would say that he he's probably would have been fairly one note. Yeah, I know. There's just something to him. I don't. I don't know what it is. Um, but I just I appreciate it when when people were giving it a go. You know what I mean? And I appreciate it when people were trying. And I feel like he really did in this movie. He tried like going. I don't want to come into this as Rowdy Roddy Piper. I want to be an actor. And I think he did a bloody good job. He did. He did. Rest in peace, Roddy. Oh, don't. It would make me upset. It, it make me, makes me upset every time I watch a film or anything or think about it because I'm like, you know, what a legend. What a true legend. Yeah, it makes you almost misty-eyed when you're like, watch, um, have you have you watched uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's the maniac, you see him now and you're like, oh, buddy. Yeah, and it's sad as well. And also, even in Always Sunny, he's so good in it. Like, yeah, like, he, I just, because I said he... He's playing a homeless former professional wrestler. Yeah, it's exactly. A huge stretch. No, it's not a huge stretch, but once again, it's the way he does it. And that's what I love about Roddy Piper. It's the way that he does it and the way there's like there's a realness and there's like he always it, when he plays a character, he's always almost playing a character where there's so much more going on behind everything. That's the thing. Even in like little things like Always Sunny or They Live, um, I don't know what it is. I just I connect with what he's doing so much, way more obviously than what anybody else does. Um, I, I think I've told you this before, but um, the Million Dollar Man is from my hometown. Oh yeah, yeah, old Ted DiBiase. Yeah, he's from my hometown. Um, he had recently had a huge political like money laundering scandal with oh shit <laughs> so, so he was like aptly named million dollar man yeah he's in trouble <laughs> well that's this is what you get when you go around saying you're the million dollar man and when they they find out when you um steal money from the state <laughs> that's it that's it well there we go so that's that's it so you've got the synopsis you've got production info you've got facts about the movie as well but now is the important part so as usual when it comes to this i like my guests to go first because obviously it gives me time to to think about it um so anastasia what do you think uh, about they live i love they live like i was telling you <laughs> before I go back and forth on which which Carpenter movie is my favorite between The Thing and this one, but I like them for very different reasons. I like this one for its comedic satire schlockiness, whereas The Thing is serious and is just an incredible piece of filmmaking. Um, this one is a little more fun, a lot less nihilistic. There's there's hope in this one, and there's not a lot of hope in in the thing but they're both <laughs> they're both wonderful films for different reasons and i i enjoy everything about this i i really love the look of the aliens they look comic booky like the source material and i like that because this is the kind of thing where that that works for them to be kind of comical 
yeah, I think they just look really, really cool. And it, it with uh, in a less in lesser hands, it could have been detrimentally cheesy, but we're working with Carpenter here, so it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. yeah. He some he somehow makes people that quite clearly are wearing masks still work. Yeah, still works. I want one of those masks. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, so do I. But yeah, I um, I enjoyed this film immensely. It's rewatched at least once a year in in my home. I mean, I, obviously, negative things would be, um, like I said earlier. <laughs> oh, the continuity error. There we go. Yes. I guess that's my only my only beef with it is like, hey, they should still be beat up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, they should still continue to be in wheelchairs for the rest of the movie, <laughs> trying to save the world. Yeah, they should be limping and bruised and cut up at the very least, and yeah. they are not. And but, but that's uh, that's really my only critique. Yeah, because I, I suppose it sort of like adds to the charm of it. Yeah, I kind of I kind of love everything about it. Otherwise, uh, flaws and all. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, I think you all sort of like it, like what you were touching on earlier as well. And I think this is like the. The, the high level of where John Carpenter works at in regards to like when I start thinking about the ideas or the examples of like ridiculously good directors. Because if you take, say, like my three favourite uh, John Carpenter movies being they um, The Thing, uh, Halloween and They Live, they're all so different but yet they still feel so John Carpenter and I don't know how he does it. It's the way he frames the shots and the way he yeah. looks at the characters, I think. Yeah, and then obviously, luckily, obviously his music as well helps. Um, That's definitely a big part of his films. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but what's weird about this movie as well, and I did I did notice it, um, and, and that's one of the things is... Uh, Dean Cundy didn't do the cinematography for this movie. And I feel like I wish that he did. I think that's like one of the things when I watch it, I'm like, this is a visually like really nice looking movie, especially when you start getting into the idea of what the movie is. And then you start getting all these amazing shots of like when he's put the glasses on and everything's all black and white and everything's saying consume and the posters are replaced and the books are replaced and everything like that. And it looks absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, But then at the same time, it's, there's a lot of it where like you can almost see the lights that are just put on the floor or on the background (laughs) where these pink lights and everything. And I like it and I love it because it works for the movie, but I just I feel like this is a type of film where I like I wish that Dean Cundy had been like working with John Carpenter on this one because I feel like we would have got these sort of because you know for me like say like Halloween you know is a movie that was shot on such a small budget but when I watched that film from when I was a kid to now I'm in like absolute awe when I watch that movie because of how good the movie looks and that was one of the things I felt like I was missing from They Live was that sort of, it looks great. It still feels very Carpenter. There's a lot of really good shots in it, but I feel like that's the only, that's that's basically my flaw in it, but it's not even a flaw because it's still amazing. But I will, I, I, I was just, you know, I'm such a huge fan of Dean Cundy and his cinematography that he even made a film like The Fog, uh, 
you know, which is, you know, which I love. I love The Fog, but it's not like the most exciting John Carpenter movie. I love um, the way The Fog looks. But yeah, exactly. I that's it. Not yeah. love The Fog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and when John Carpenter and Dean Cundy are sort of like together, they like make like this magic that works together, especially when obviously they had Deborah Hill and that as well. Um, mm. and, and I was just like, every time I watch They Live, I feel like I can tell that it's not Dean Cundy. And then that like sucks a little bit because I'm like, man, I wish you'd have done this film with him. It would but have that's... a little more cachet, I think. But yeah, it is what it is. It's still, but it's that's it. Cachet. But the thing is, that's it is what it is. And that's not even like me saying that's a bad thing in the movie because the film itself still looks amazing. But yeah, yeah. like, you know, going back to it, that's what that's what I love about this movie is that it's another prime example to show how incredible John Carpenter is that this film is, you know, so funny in ways. It's almost like a comedy sometimes, but then you have obviously the slightly darker classic John Carpenter moments where he's, you know, has to take it to those places uh, where you're like, Oh, that's quite dark where they're shooting everybody and killing everyone. Well, I mean, Um, none of the main characters even, even make it all the way. I mean, they, they they do, but not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and it and it just feels like a completely different film to, like you were saying, to the thing or or Halloween. But that's that's the the, the wonder of of John Carpenter and his movies. But this film is a film that I've always always loved, and I think this is a film that I watched in my teens. Uh, yeah, I think it was in my teens I watched this one for the first time, and uh, I just fell in love with this whole idea that um you know that we we're living in this world that obviously we think is our own until it's exposed to us in whatever way that it is uh that it turns out to be that it's not what we think it is and that that like when i watched it it blew my mind because i was just like fuck like imagine if that happened yeah no i saw this for the first time before i could fully appreciate it for what it is because i was pretty young when i first saw it because it's one of those movies that ran on cable here in America right? a lot in the 90s. Like you turn on TBS or TNT and, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, they lives on. <laughs> and if they live wasn't on, Forrest Gump was on. <laughs> one or the other. I know which one I'd be watching. I'd watch them both. You know, there's a depth to this movie. Uh, and uh, and it's obviously you know get you know John Carpenter getting a little bit political and and all that sort of stuff and looking at consumerism and and all that sort of stuff and and bigger words and bigger things out there that I'm you know not clever enough to understand. Um, <laughs> you, you never but, give yourself enough credit. Well, <laughs> listen, I I know how much I failed at school, so but uh, but yeah, it's you know there's a there's a lot more. To, I th- I would say. There's a lot more to this film than there is in mostly any of the other John Carpenter movies in regards to the subject matter. Well, it's very, very critical of the bourgeoisie, as it should be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and there's there's a lot to look into in this movie, uh, as I said, as a story, as a structure, as, uh, you know, as to, to the characters, uh, where the movie uh goes and what it's trying to say and what it's trying to replicate and all that sort of stuff um i think yeah this is this is one of those films that you can definitely look into or what are those films that you can imagine being studied 
more so than a lot of his other films not in regards to like this is how you make a movie um but in regards to like if you're going to talk about uh, aspects of of this or whatever it's trying to talk about then this is the type of film that they would show yeah and this is very digestible satire for one yes way to go to approach it yeah absolutely and 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 as i said that's just the movie itself in regards to you know the story and the fact that it's john carpenter so then we've got obviously as i've gushed already about how much i love rowdy roddy piper in this movie um i just i just i love him in this movie i think he's so good you know meg foster with a beautiful beautiful eyes and a gorgeous jawline (laughs) sharpest jawline west of the mississippi (laughs) and then obviously keith david absolutely phenomenal again you know just just this ticks all the boxes you know for just one of those fun popcorn movies that you can put on and enjoy the absolute shit out of but also one that makes you think about it afterwards because I always remember that as a teen when I watch this is thinking about it afterwards and then there was that sort of unnerving aspect of it going look I know this film is a bit of fun but if you take it uh you know the idea of it to you know realistically and think about it then you're like shit you know that's pretty fucked up hey i am working for meager wages while the fat cats put money in their pockets god damn it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah pretty much it you just gotta hope that they're not aliens yeah yeah well you listen to the wrong conspiracy theorists they are you know <laughs> <laughs> but, but but one thing this film has done is ruined sunglasses for me because i cannot put on a pair of sunglasses without thinking that i'm gonna see aliens every time i put them on i think i'm gonna kick ass and chew bubble gum that's it (laughs) that's it that's it well there we go so that that's our thoughts on on they live we've gone for everything um and and i hope you obviously you know you, you you absolutely love this movie as much as we do it's such a good movie it is fantastic if you have seen it Obviously, you know you know what it is. If you haven't seen it, what you're doing, go and watch it. Uh, if you haven't seen it for a while, well, then definitely go and watch it and then remember how much you love it and how good it is. But but for now, Anastasia, you need to, you need to, this is it now. This is where you tell everybody where they can find your uh, at least one billion shows that you do. Oh, goodness. It's only three. <laughs> it's only three. But it is a lot of work. Um, I do feel like I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off sometimes, but all right. <laughs> so my, um, handles on social media for my podcast are just the titles. So it's really easy to find, but so horror versus reality. So that'd be at horror versus reality and then attack of the killer objects at attack of the killer objects. And then what in the wide world of cinema at what in, at what in the wild world of cinema. <laughs> which I i'll picked, never get right <laughs> i know it i picked a long name for it but i just couldn't figure out what i wanted to do with the title so what in the wild world of cinema is my newest one i co-host it with my friend kate who is a canadian and we bonded over our love of weird movies so basically the show is just talking it's really just going over and talking about our love of really bizarre films that don't follow traditional rules in a lot of senses rule breakers Um, yeah we've covered mandy and taxidermia and um return to oz (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is a horror film 
Uh, it was literally my favorite movie when I was like four years old. I rented it from the uh, little video store around the corner from my grandma's house like every weekend. I yeah. don't know. To this day, I don't know why she didn't just buy it outright for me. <laughs> I think it was like there's a bonding experience about going and picking it out, even though I was picking the same fucking two movies out every time. That and picking Oh, yeah. Stuff. Those nostalgic bonding experiences we had picking out rentals, uh, you know, those are the ones that we never forget. Yeah, those are those are my favorite child children movies. <laughs> Surprised but, that I became a huge uh, dark uh, movie and horror movie buff, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Um, but yeah, yeah, you've got you've got so many shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Attack of the Killer Objects. It's very self-explanatory. BP, you've been on there a couple of Absolutely. times. Absolutely. Yeah, we did. We did Rubber, which is a fantastic movie. Yeah, and we also talked about Puppet Master. Puppet Master, yeah. We'll be back for a yet-to-be-released uh, episode soon. Yes. And uh, then Horror vs. Reality is a... It's also fairly self-explanatory from the title. We dissect and discuss... Horror movies that are based on true crimes um, and sometimes just historical tragedies. And we just, you know, we separate fact from fiction and let you know what the movie gets right and what they're, what truths they stretch. And uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Loads of shows. And, uh, you know, obviously I can confirm they're all bloody brilliant. So, (laughs) so yeah, uh, you know, but obviously, you know, Attack of the Killer Objects. Yeah. I've been on that a couple of times and, uh, had a great time horror reality i've been on twice i think we did yep. uh the lost and yep. uh super dark movie and also what was the, the first sac- one we did the sacrament the sacrament there we go that was the first time uh we did one together and uh as i said and you've been on this show a couple times now as well and uh you know i always i always absolutely love having you on the show we always have a laugh we always have a good chat about movies and uh as i've said to you so many times i like having you on the show because you're uh you you articulate everything so much better than i do because i'm a moron and (laughs) you 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 bring a bit of class to the show every time you're on and i like that well i do my best (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah so as you need to all if you haven't and i'm sure you have but if you haven't make sure that you go and follow and subscribe or like or whatever everything anastasia does uh, over uh, on uh, horror versus reality, attack of the killer objects, and what in the wide world of cinema? Yes, did I do it? You did, and we can you can find those wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on absolutely all the, all the places, any podcast platform. You can go and listen to it. Well, once again, Anastasia, thank you so much for for being on the show. You're always welcome. You know you are, and and you will be on the show. Um, for a a zillion more times i'm always down thank you for having me (laughs) (laughs) so as i said please make sure you go and check out everything that anastasia does on her millions and millions of shows that she does so well but now look you know that you can't go right now because i have the segment your first time This is a segment, as you know, that I absolutely love because you amazing horror fans send me over in as much detail as possible on any of our social media accounts, your first ever horror movie memory that you can remember. 
and I add it into an episode. And the first one that I've got sent over to me was from Bozzy2909. He sent it over to me on Instagram at Bozzy. Uh, he is a listener of the show. And what I'm really grateful for is the fact that he has not that long ago started his journey with the Let's Talk Horror channel. But he's been so supportive in the journey, coming on the Instagram lives. He's been listening to the show, watching the YouTube channel, looking forward to the content that we bring out. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. So he sent me over his first time horror memory. He says, the first horror film I remember watching was a Hammer classic starring Peter Cushing called The Ghoul. It was 1980 and we had moved into a new house. I was about 11, I think. I begged my mum to stay up and watch it. It was on BBC Two late on Saturday night. Well, it was at the time. The most disturbing film I had ever seen. I remember two particular scenes. The ghoul coming in to one of the victim's bedroom. You could see his outline behind the netted curtains around the bed and the screams of the victim as he was attacked. Another scene was Peter Cushing playing his violin as the killer con killing continued to try to drown out the screams and Cushing's face of sheer terror of what it was taking place. The final thing was the victim's. Once killed, had to be prepared by a woman servant and the bodies being chopped up. Thank God you didn't see too much. But you can hear the chopping noises and squelching sound of the blood. A truly terrifying film for a young youngster. It left an indelible mark. Needless to say, I was banned from watching any horror films for a couple of years. So as I said, thank you once again for Bozzy2909. For, for continuing to support the show, for listening to watching the YouTube, supporting it. And there is his first horror movie memory. And what, what a great one. And the second one sent over to me was from Terror Racks Video, which you can find at Terror Racks Video on, on Instagram. Please go and follow them because they have some fantastic content and an amazing VHS sort of shop um it, it just looks fucking rad and they do some amazing recommendations and it's just proper fun horror related content and they're a married couple a powerhouse couple of horror so look go and follow them over there but they sent me that my mum let me rent toxic avenger when i was like five or six because it had a cartoony cover but that movie changed my life he says when the kid gets his head ran over by the car it somehow ruined him and somehow also propelled him into really liking horror uh, i mean that's the funny thing isn't it about the toxic avenger it is so dark but yet gets clouded over in this comedic slapstick almost element to it and that scene he's mentioning where the kid is getting running over in the car it's such a messed up dark scene but yet the way that they play it over just makes it almost hilarious. And it's one of those scenes where you're like, oh, I shouldn't be laughing at this. But I, I sort of am. And the last memory I'm going to talk about isn't one that was sent over to me at all. It was actually something that I experienced myself. And there's a reason I'm adding this in is because it is the pure 100 percent reason as to why I love horror, why I loved having this segment in the show. It's, it was just a really fun experience to have. So I went to my local supermarket, Tesco's, just down the road from me. I can't remember what I was buying, but I was getting it. And I, on that day, was wearing my Amateurville Horror t-shirt. 
So I went and I was paying for my, my items. And the lady said to me, I remember that movie. And at that point, I didn't really know what she was talking about. And then I realized that it was my T-shirt she was referencing. And I was like, I yeah, I love Amateur Horror. It's one of the films that I watched very young. I still love it to this day. Thought, you know, that that was going to be the end of the conversation. Uh, but it wasn't. She then started telling me how when she was younger, she was watching these sort of movies. And there was this other one that I watched all the time where I watched it once and it scared the hell out of me. But then I wanted to watch it again and then I wanted to keep watching it. And that was The Evil Dead. She remembered that it was The Evil Dead. I didn't have to, you know, uh, put it out there and say, was it this one? Was it this one? She remembered it. Now, I loved that experience of of standing there, um, holding up the queue, everybody getting pissed off while I'm having a conversation about horror with this lady. I do not know. I've never met her in my life before. And even if she's someone now that doesn't like horror and doesn't watch horror, or even back then wasn't somebody that really necessarily liked horror, she still never forgot her first time or her first sort of experiences with the genre. And that is why I love horror. And that is why I do this segment. It is a prime example as to why I do this segment, because we never forget our first time watching a horror movie. And that, like I said, that can go for people, whether it started you on this journey where you watched one, you loved the feeling it gave you and you kept watching them, or it's one that you watched and it terrified you so much that it stopped you in your tracks and you never went on this journey through horror like so many of us have. And you just didn't want to take part in that anymore. But yet you didn't forget it and you don't forget it. And that's what I truly love about horror. There's no other genre out there that makes us feel the way that we do when we watch these movies, whether it's from our first time ever or even if it's now. So there we go. That's that's the episode all done. I truly hope you enjoyed it. Once again, Anastasia has been on the show, been an absolute legend. We've spoken about They Live, John Carpenter's They Live, an absolutely incredible movie that has so much to it. And it is, I, just, I love it. I love watching this movie. And it's one of those movies that you can pop on one night and then two nights later, you can pop it on again and enjoy it as much as you did the first time that you ever saw it it's such a fun movie and once again thank you to anyone that is sending me over their first time horror movie memories because not only do i love reading them out to all of you i love reading them myself and then i get all nostalgic so if you do want to have your first time horror movie memory read out on the show think of it as like free promo or something all you've got to do is get onto any of our social media pages just look for the let's talk horror channel and send us a dm and in as much detail as you can, just put in the horror movie memory that you can remember. But other than that, as I said, we're done. Thank you so much again for listening. This is the first episode of 2024. and We've got so much more to come. We've got the podcast that's obviously going to keep coming every single month, a new episode. Sometimes they're going to be solo. Sometimes they're going to be with guests, guests that I'm so fortunate, so lucky to speak to every single month. I feel so blessed, so fortunate that I get to continue this journey with so many amazing horror fans out there. And as well as that, in December, we dropped, if you haven't already, please do, but we dropped our first ever episode of our video podcast series, Welcome to the Creep Zone. It's still all the Let's Talk Horror channel, but 
the room that I'm recording in now and everything like that, where it has all my collection of horror stuff, is called The Creep Zone. That's what I've named it. And that's what I'm doing with the new series. I'm welcoming you to The Creep Zone to join me and my guests in another conversation about horror and this series is so much fun it's unedited it's unrated it's unfiltered i have no idea what i'm going to say on there but it is what it is and it's so much fun so far to do the first episode was all about creep one and creep two two fantastic movies that are on netflix so go and watch them and then please go and watch that episode and there's so much more to come from this new series. So now every month, you're not only going to get a podcast episode, but you're also going to get this new Welcome to the Creep Zone series. And all of this, the reason I do it is because one, not only do I love horror so much, but I really enjoy doing this as well as that you are allowing me to continue this journey. I keep doing it because you keep listening and you keep watching YouTube, and you keep on following us on the social media pages. Everything I do for the channel is, is just what I do. You all have the biggest part to play, because by watching it, by sharing it on, by listening, by rating, reviewing, you are creating the success or any success the show has. So please, all I can do is that throughout 2024, you continue to do the same. And if not, you know, maybe, maybe even more. I don't know. But just if you see an episode that's released, whether it's the new video one, Welcome to the Creep Zone or the podcast, please just share it on. If you enjoy what I do and you want this show to expand, to evolve, to reach new audiences, you're the biggest part to play in that. So I cannot wait to get going with the rest of 2024 to keep doing what I do for the Let's Talk Horror channel. And I really, truly hope that you continue to be with me on this ride. So as usual, all I can say is join us and be a creep.